Welcome to the Dreamcatcher Podcast, a place where you'll receive a boost of inspiration, practical advice, and tools to maximize your success and personal happiness. And that's not all. You'll also get plenty of guidance on how you can use your gifts, talents, and compassion to contribute towards making the world a better place. Be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter for a preview of what's in store and to also receive a free ebook. To sign up, simply visit www.thedreamcatch.com. Now it's my pleasure to introduce you to the host of the Dreamcatcher podcast, Celine Chinoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dreamcatcher podcast, a place where your dreams can find a voice. Money is among the most common sources of stress. An unhealthy relationship with money can lead to feelings of anger, stress, frustration, and cause discord in our relationships. Even if we work hard and we are financially well off, we may still experience all these emotions. But money has the ability to smile when it is given and received with a certain feeling and energy. My guest, Ken Honda, asserts that it is possible for anyone, regardless of their current financial status, to feel at ease with money. Money and happiness expert Ken Honda is a best-selling self-development author in Japan, with book sales surpassing 8 million copies since 2001. Ken's financial expertise comes from owning and managing several businesses, including an accounting company, a management consulting firm, and a venture capital corporation. His writings bridge the topics of finance and self-help, focusing on creating and generating personal wealth and happiness through deeper self-honesty. Ken provides ongoing support through mentoring programs, business seminars, therapeutic workshops, and correspondence courses. During our discussion, Ken will share his philosophy on happy money, based on the concepts in his best-selling book, Happy Money, The Japanese Art of Making Peace with Your Money. He'll explain how we can develop the happy money mindset by tapping into our talents and building a loving, abundant relationship with money. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to like, rate, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Thanks. Hello, Ken. Konnichiwa. How are you doing today? Hello, hello, Selene. I'm so happy to see you, and uh, I'm so happy that I get to be interviewed during my daytime, which doesn't usually happen. So um, either I wake up in the morning very early or do that in the evening. So, right, because you're based in Tokyo, Japan. Okay, right? yes, right now. Yes. So thank you for being for living in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> of course, and I have to say the same thing because I I don't usually interview guests during the daytime, so it works for both of us. Perfect. It's a good yeah. start. Right. So thank you for making the time to be with us today. I am a big fan of your work and your philosophy on money, mostly because it has a spiritual and metaphysical component to it, which mm-hmm. people don't usually associate with money. Don't you think? Right. So? Yes. In general, I think uh, either people think uh, money is just uh, simply numbers mm-hmm. or like uh, money is like evil creatures. You you want you don't want to get close to. 
as much as possible. So people have different uh, reactions to money. Mm, yeah, yeah, I'm aware of that because I did work with a money coach a few years ago, and I could not believe how much our beliefs around money impacts us and the way we spend money, the way we earn money, everything. Right, right. Money touches every area of our life. Money t- mm-hmm. touches relationships and also health, work, or peace of mind. So unless we have a peaceful relationship, uh, mm. we cannot uh, have a happy life. Absolutely. And we'll get more into that later on in the, the interview. But mm-hmm. for now, Ken, I want to get to know you a little bit better. Yes. You're fondly known as the Zen millionaire in Japan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You penned you 58 books, which mm-hmm. have sold millions of copies. Right. Between so, 8 million and 9 million, somewhere around that. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that's a lot. <laughs> so uh, clearly, people are really resonating with your work. So Tell us, Ken, what inspired you in your early life to understand money, the dynamics of money, and um, how we develop a relationship with money? So I had a unique upbringing. My father was a very successful tax accountant. So he started teaching me about money since I was uh, five or six at the time. And um, after just getting to know more about money, my father uh, took me to uh, shopping malls or took me to his meetings. So on, on weekends, uh, we got visits. Uh, we got visited by his clients. So I was the first one to bring Japanese tea and just greet them. And I asked them, uh, I asked my father's clients preliminary questions like, "What is your ROE and you know ROI? You know all those." Uh, 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 words that really shocked all the adults. And I really had fun doing it when I was eight or nine. Okay, so, so. they were like, yeah, so they were like, well, what are you saying? Like, or they just didn't <laughs> expect someone as young as you to know so much. Right, so my uh, upbringing is very unique like that. And then um, I started learning about money and life through my father and through uh, his clients. I've seen people go up and down uh, in my teens and the... Uh, uh, Japanese bubble economy started, so everything w- went crazy, which is what what we are uh, right now globally. So yes. I, eventually, I think it's going to go down. But I've seen ups and downs of people's lives since I was uh, ten. So I have a uh, forty some years of career of watching people, how they uh, their their glories and their sufferings and their uh, desperation. So uh, in my uh, life, I have seen people cry over money, rejoice over money, uh, heaven and hell at the same time. And I've seen people, you know, uh, end their life because of money uh, and also, you know, uh, all sorts of weird things because of money. Right. And as a child, how did you process that? So the biggest one was uh, my father's best client's um, family suicide. You know, one time I came back home, I think I was very little, like eight or nine, and my father was crying like a baby. And I never knew that guys were capable of crying. You know, all the all the guys were not supposed to show feelings in Japan. Uh, it's changing, but still uh, it was like that 40-some uh, years ago. 
And my mother took me aside and uh, she told me that uh, my father's best friend committed suicide, which I sort of knew what it, what it meant. And uh, before he committed suicide, he killed the entire family of four and committed suicide because um, they were, he was on the verge of bankruptcy. So my father uh, uh, gave him advice that he should file a bankruptcy. And uh, he wanted to, he didn't want to do that. So uh, in order to save uh, shame and dishonor of filing bankruptcy uh, from the family, you know, so he killed the entire family and committed suicide. And my father uh, had little money uh, for his best friend's family after they filed bankruptcy. But he was like a Japanese traditional guy, so he never told his best friend that he was he was preparing something like that for him. Uh, but he regretted. Uh, I've I've heard him uh, talking about it so many times uh, when he got drunk. So it really devastated him because he was in charge of his best friend's funeral, and it was all, all, all uh, even in the newspaper. So uh, after that incident, we're just happy singing family, but uh, my father went into depression, and so we, uh, so are we. So um, I've seen so many happy times in my family and so many sad times in my family that really shaped my destiny, because I really want to know to to know about the essence of money. What is money? And I knew what money can do to people in negative way and a positive way. So I'm on. I'm still on the path uh, hmm. to to search for the meaning of money. Right, and you've also ran a few successful businesses, right? So that uh-huh. that career experience might have also given you exposure to how money works. Right, I was very successful already in my early twenties. So at the age twenty nine, I could retire for our baby girl when my wife and I uh, found out that she was pregnant. But my uh, semi-retirement, uh, I originally planned for like two or three months. Um, but uh, after you um, started having a slow life, you started to speak very slowly and everything goes slowly. So the original two months extended to a year and two years. So I ended up having four years uh, for my baby girl. And that was the best time of my life. And during the semi-retirement, I got this vision of writing a book, which I sort of did. I started uh, writing a booklet that uh, um, later, uh, uh, years later, um, it became a, a, a book. And uh, here I am. I, I've been writing so many books. Yeah. And you've changed so many people's lives. So it's a good thing that you did that. Right. My father's alcoholic after, you know, uh, he went into a depression. So I didn't want to take that same path. So I I took the healthiest addiction I could think of, which is book writing. So, you know, Mm. uh, that's a good addiction. It's almost like my addictive behavior. I can't stop moving my fingers. (laughs) And I think that's the uh, healthiest (laughs) I could think of. So I cannot stop. It just flows from inside. That's amazing. So I think you're just channeling. You're just getting it from, from the ethers. Right. So yeah. I, I, in my family, I made a rule when my wife or my daughter speaks to me, I just stop. I just close, you know, um, my computer. Otherwise, mm. I keep writing. 
So we, oh. um, so you know, that way they're more important than my books. But still, I keep writing. I keep writing in my car, in the, in the airplane, and uh, when I'm <laughs> when I'm walking, I speak to my iPhone. So yeah. my iPhone dictates in my pocket. That's amazing. And are you teaching your daughter financial management and things like that? I assume you would. Yes, I started teaching her about money in the most unique way. So uh, mm. she she's learned everything. So she's going to be um, happy and successful with uh, money. I think um, that's how what old she's is she? She's twenty four now. Oh, okay. I thought she was still little. Yes, she was. And, and I uh, and I, it's been twenty four years. So I mm. I, I look kind of young for. 55 year old guy so i don't have any good yes yeah so yeah i think um, the japanese people age really well so that right so i (laughs) so but i'm i'm getting to be very old (laughs) that's how i feel it's a mindset age is a mindset (laughs) yeah but i'm a happy old man yes yes well thank you for sharing that ken that's quite a quite an extraordinary story and Mm -hmm. You coined the term happy money. Uh, it mm-hmm. is the centerpiece of everything that you teach. Yes. So explain to us what, what exactly is happy money and how do we cultivate a happy money mindset? So I've realized that there are two kinds of money flowing in our life, either happy money or unhappy money. Happy money makes you feel very good and peaceful and exciting when you receive it. And when you spend it, it also gives you joy because you get something nice, like a good service or a good product that makes you feel so uh, happy about. Whereas unhappy money makes you feel squeezed, frustrated, boxed in. Uh, When you receive a check, you worry. And when you spend it, also you feel irritated, upset, or angry, or resentful, or uh, depressed. That's what unhappy money does. And it's only the difference between how you feel about money. It's nothing to do with how much money you have or how much money you make. It's how you have relationship with money emotionally. Mm. But if we're getting something like a parking ticket and we mm-hmm. have to pay for it, mm-hmm. <laughs> it can be a little challenging to, to do it with a happy money kind of feeling, like feeling right. positive so, about it. Yes, yeah, so you have to have a happy mindset. Uh, The other day, uh, a few years ago, like five years ago, I got a speeding ticket. Mm. And then uh, my daughter was kind of like laughing about it. You know, hey, you got a ticket. So she's challenging me if I'm just, you know, if I can spend happy money or not. So I was pulled over and uh, I had a chat with a police person and he wasn't the most pleasant person. But I had a chat and he started smiling and I said, thank you so much. You know, you're doing great work. Not many people appreciate you, but I appreciate you for uh, making sure that I drive safely for the next five years because I don't want to get ticketed again. So thank you for a great reminder. And uh, so you you could potentially save my uh, save me or my family from getting into accidents. So I really want to appreciate you. And as a token of my appreciation, I'm very happy to pay whatever you charge me. And the funny thing is, one time wow. he let me go because he never been thanked for. So uh, he said, "Okay, sir, you're good to go." I said, "Wow, really?" And I, yeah, because uh, you're okay because you're not going to speed it speed again. So I said, "Thank you," and then I drove <laughs> drove away. So it happened to me like that. 
So appreciation really works that way. Wow. I never thought of that kind of approach. That is absolutely amazing. Isn't <laughs> you turn the whole thing around. <laughs> Isn't that true? Because, you know, next time I think I should uh, go a little slower because I don't want to mm. get ticketed. So that becomes a force to slow me down. Mm. And in fact, not only with my car, but I was speeding fast for my life too. Mm -hmm. So uh, I got a little deeper too, like uh, this police officer started teaching me I need to slow down with my life too. So I don't mind paying the double price because he's teaching me a lesson with only one piece of paper. Mm. So that's a happy money mindset. Yeah, I get it. I, I'm mm -hmm. sure our listeners do too. Um, <laughs> and it's fun too. It is fun. It does sound fun. I'm going to try that next time. Hopefully I don't get into a situation, but something <laughs> similar. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, Ken, you know, as you just mentioned uh, earlier, uh, right now our the economic situation is not very good in our world. We're facing rising inflation and a lot of people in different parts of the world, like Europe, the US, they're mm -hmm. getting a little bit agitated about the increase in cost of living and things like that. So right. Uh, how do you suggest people maintain this uh, the happy money mindset even during these tough times? So in good times and bad times, uh, there is a lesson. So right now, right now, I think people are starting to feel squeezed between the salary and also the the cost. So you feel squeezed in, you know, like you're not. You feel like you're drowning in the bill, the mountain of bills, and also you feel squeezed in. Uh, because you're not making more money and the more cost, more expenses are you know, coming. But uh, this uh, something like this teaches us to be more creative. For example, if you need uh, like an extra cash of say 200 euros or $200, you have to come up with uh, fun ideas to increase your salary or increase your fee, whatever that is. Uh, you need to be more productive. To do that, you have to find what you're good at and start doing something. Like uh, uh, a student of mine uh, who was a housewife, uh, it actually happened a few years ago, but uh, her husband's salary went down. You could probably complain about it, but she took it uh, in a positive way. Okay, maybe it's time for me to get out of being a housewife and started uh, selling something. Uh, she was secretly wanted to do it, but uh, her husband was a conservative man, so he wanted her to stay at home. But with his salary going down, he had no choice. So she started working as an insurance salesperson, and then she was so super surprised that she had a knack for selling. Uh, so whatever she explained, people bought it. So mm. she was making more money than her husband. And her husband ended up uh, quitting the company and he became the manager for his wife's insurance uh, wow. uh, agency. And they're just doing happily um, ever after. So uh, once you're in this financial crunch, um, it's a good sign that you have to change your job. You have to shift your uh, financial life in a more positive way. By turning your financial life around, you are going to get paid more, you'll be happier, and you see more appreciative people. You know, if you're in a low-paying uh, position, people don't appreciate you as much. 
when you uh, do what uh, you are the only one who can do it, people appreciate you so much. Yeah, and you're so specialized. You to, yes, so you have to find something that uh, you only you can do it. To do that, you have to find who you are. You have to find what you're good at. You have to find your gifts. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, and Ken, do you think that, you know, once we get our basic survival needs met, mm -hmm. you know, when we get yes. food, shelter, we have friends, family who love us, do you think that more money can make us happier? You know, there's a st statistics um, in, in each country and in, in every city. It's a little bit different. But if you make more than around, around 60,000 or 90,000 US dollars or euros, uh, your happiness level doesn't go up as high as the income. So that means uh, once your basic needs are met, uh, your happiness level doesn't really change if you drive Mercedes or uh, a Honda because uh, it's basically the same. So uh, what changes people's uh, happiness uh, is that uh, how you feel about your life. So instead of increasing uh, your income or how much money you make, you can transform your relationship with money. By doing that, you appreciate life more. You get appreciated by life. That includes people, your family members, and uh, your clients and customers. So uh, changing the energy around you is far more important than um, making more money because that's what mm -hmm. counts. Right. It's because you put that energy out there and then you kind of attract something similar, the same kind of abundance. Right. So there are two kinds of work, you know, happy work and happy work. Once again, see, happy work is uh, do what you love and money comes comes back. Uh, unhappy work is, I hate this job, but to bring food on the table, I have to do this. Mm -hmm. Bad energy comes back. <laughs> and also you get so tired after a long day. Yes. But if it's a happy work, you get more energized at the end of the work. You know, I get more energized in my retreat uh, center uh, that after like six or seven, I can do another seminar, right? After, after this, you know, after a long day. Yeah. Because yeah. I get more energized. And I think you're the same way, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, do you think that can sometimes people have to do certain jobs that they don't like, mm -hmm. at least on a temporary basis? And right. it would probably be a good idea to have like a side hustle or at least a creative hobby to balance the unpleasant energy that you experience from <laughs> your from your day job. I know. I mean, yes. I think that could be a something that people do to experience yes. those positive emotions. Exactly. So I call that mental detoxing. Uh, through uh, your life work. That means like if you're good at uh, counseling, you should counsel, you should listen to people's problems at the end of the day. And by helping other people, you feel greater, even though you don't get paid. The funny thing is some people are good at talking. Some people are good at listening. So either way, you can make a living by doing that. So um, do what you love more. So the, uh, you're channeling your energy through your gift. I do that with writing. I do that with speaking. I do that with listening. So either way, uh, I feel the flow of happy energy in my system. So at least I recommend people to do three more minutes every day to do what uh, makes it uh, exciting 
uh, or fun or entertaining, you know, instead of just watching YouTube channel, which is okay. So whatever that excites you yeah. in, a sp- in a spiritual level, mm-hmm. uh, you get lifted before you go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Ken, something else you say that gets in the way of uh, of us attracting an inflow of happy money is uh, money wounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is quite an interesting concept that you cover in your book. So tell us about what money wounds are and how we develop them. So money wounds uh, occurred when we were denied of our dreams. Like I was age seven or eight when I wanted a mountain bike. You know, there was a very fashionable, uh, very cool mountain bike for a little bit older um, kids. But I thought I was adult enough. But my parents said, oh, no, that's too expensive. I took it like you're not worth it. You know, what they meant in essence was that I was too young to be able to ride that. Actually, a year later, I got a bike, but I got a huge cut here and there, here. So they're right. You know, it was too, uh, I was too early for that. But I just took it. Oh, my, I'm not worthy. So because I'm a bad boy. And I'm sure yeah. you felt the same way when your parents said no to your ballet lessons or piano lessons, whatever you really wanted to do, like yeah. a, uh, go to summer camps. I wanted uh, to buy bar- Barbie dolls. <laughs> yes, the same thing, but you're yeah. not worth it, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, what we felt. So mm-hmm. that stayed in a, a bigger scars than we think. It's just a bike. It's just a doll. No, mm-hmm. it was like the whole whole thing, you know, because kids tend to be obsessed with your dreams. So once it gets crashed, it, it's, it has a bigger impact. And that's what happened to all of us. So later years, uh, when you hit your 20s and 30s, when you want to start doing something that you truly care, you feel like, oh, maybe this isn't going to work, you know, because look at me. I didn't even get a Burby doll. right? I didn't get a bicycle. How could I, you know, just run my company? Uh, so uh, that wound stayed uh, with you and as, as late as uh, you're in the 60s and 70s. So I advise you to just go back into your childhood and look what happened and just imagine what your parents went through. You know, it wasn't pleasant for your parents to say no to the kids. If they had so much money, they probably wanted to say yes. Or so either financial reason or educational reason, like my parents, um, that, you know, they said no. But we took it so wrong and we took it so personally so unless we heal this money wounds, it keeps popping up and disturb our life. Mm. Yeah, and I actually have a relative. I mean, he's in his 70s and he's financially, he's wealthy. But mm-hmm. because he grew up poor, mm. um, like he was, he had to live on the streets. He still has that feeling of, I don't have enough money. He still right, talks right, right, about right, right. it and he, and I, and and it's amazing to me because I'm like, okay, how can we help him see that he's okay? He's more than okay. <laughs> like he's okay for generations. Right. So it's like, uh, I, I've seen that happen with my own relatives. So it's mm-hmm. interesting how that can manifest and stay with you till much later on in your life, probably even till you till your last day. Yeah. So you have to really work on your healing. Otherwise, you become somebody like uh, my private jet is too small. 
you know, yes. <laughs> you know or yeah. stuff like yeah. that. So, un- so unless uh, you, uh, you focus on what you have yes. instead of what you don't have, yeah. your life becomes miserable because we always uh, compare ourselves with others. Right. And somehow the, the higher income you, you get, the more money you make, the richer friends you get. <laughs> so you yeah, know, it's called keeping up with the Jonases, right? That's the yeah. Term. The, uh, yes. uh, a wealthy Jones is uh, is harder <laughs> keeping up. So like yeah. Oh my god, their up. house is so much bigger, or they have a nicer car, or right. Their spouse and is the, better looking. <laughs> right, and they have a second home, you know, the third yeah. home, yeah, and the planes and the helicopter and the yacht. Yeah, and you met you met people like that in your work and. And so you've seen it happen firsthand. Yeah. So a, a, uh, an acquaintance of mine was complaining about the uh, private jet fuel prices going up too. You know, we were talking about, we're complaining about the gas prices, but also the f- uh, fuel prices for private jet- jets are so expensive, you know, and he was talking about it. But so I I, th- I told him, why don't you sell the jets? No, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, So like <laughs> they want to complain about certain things right and that complaining mindset is not a happy money mindset at all yeah because you keep finding more unhappy things in your life Mm. so unless you know when is enough how much is enough you keep um running in this cage you know rat race rat race uh for uh, for wealthy people uh the cage of this uh rat race is made of gold Mm. It's heavier. It's more classy. Maybe made by Hermes or Louis Vuitton, but <laughs> it's it's the same cage. That's true. So how do we know we've reached this place where we're content? It doesn't matter how much money is actually in the bank account, but how do we know? What's that feeling like? I think when you uh, don't think of money for a week or 10 days or a month, you're free of money. Uh, so uh, money becomes air for you. A lot of people, uh, money is icy. You know, it's cold when you hold it. And uh, even though uh, you uh, live in a better environment, money becomes water, still uh, needs management. Too much money, flood. Too little money, drought. Either way, it's not fun. But when uh, money gets heated up and evaporates into air, you can breathe. As much as we want, you can. Um, you don't mind your friend sniffing your air. It's okay, you know, because there's plenty. Your neighbors are sniffing your air. It's okay. You don't say, "This is my air. Don't sniff it," you know, because it's everywhere and it's free. So mm-hmm. once money becomes like that, uh, money becomes your best friend. So if you want to fly to Dubai, uh, your money friend will just get your ticket in two seconds through booking.com or something, right? Mm. And then if you want to stay in a hotel, it does that too. And if you want to dine at the restaurant with your friend, the table will be ready. And so everything, money can, pretty much money can do it for you. So if you have a best friend like that, you have no complaints. Mm. But instead, we think money is like a monster trying to attack us, you know? So we have to be always careful with money. I have to pinch pennies, you know, otherwise something terrible is going to happen. So we are forced to live in fear. So financial freedom is a freedom from fear, worries, and even thinking of money. 
So uh, if you realize that you haven't thought of money for a week, you are financially independent. Mm. What about keeping track of money? I mean, we still have to keep track of how much we're spending and how much we're earning. How does that factor into this? You know, I have lost track of how many books I sold and how many copies I, I've, I've written because I, I'm sure, I, I, I told you, it's between 8 million and 9 million copies because they, uh, every few weeks, you know, 10,000, another 5,000 here in Greece, 10,000 in China. So I just lost count and I lost interest. The same thing goes with money. I know I'm making enough money. So all the bills are paid but, uh, automatically or my secretary does that, or my accountant does that, I don't exactly know how much I'm spending and how much I'm making because it fluctuates. But the thing is, all the bills are paid clean. I have no debts, so everything is okay. So once you reach a certain level, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to think about it. You focus on what you want to do in your life. So calculating about money is just a waste of time for happy, financially free people, as long as it's well taken care of. So uh, I hope we're not going to talk about money in 20 years, because money is not that important. Art, in relationships, friendships, uh, art projects are far more important than money. But somehow we are so obsessed with money issues. But I think we're going to graduate from that in two decades. I really hope so. That is a beautiful vision, Ken, for sure. Um, but I'm just thinking about the people who are listening who might be living paycheck to paycheck. And I know that's not a good place to be in, but if that mm-hmm. is their reality now, mm-hmm. what are your suggestions for them so that they can begin to change that, mm-hmm. go towards financial freedom? I know you've given us a lot yeah. of tips already, but if they want to start right, right, right. really working mm-hmm. on that loving, abundant relationship that they want to have with money. What are your top tips for them? Thank you, Celine. What I love about you is you always ask great questions for other people, you know, so they'll get it, right? I really love that and respect you for that. Actually, I've been asked so many times about, uh, you know, people having a hard time uh, with money. You know, the money problem you have, it's only two problems when you just think about it. You're making too little or spending too much. And actually a combination of both because the low income people tend to spend more money on the dollar shop. You know, I I love watching people, you know, um, all over the world. So I bump into uh, a dollar shop in Mexico and and, and I was kind of observing how, how, you know, uh, people just put into a basket. And uh, I'm sure all the kids and all the family members just piling up with those uh, things that probably they're not going to use them all. So, uh, and they didn't look super wealthy either. So financially challenged people often spend too much money to get rid of the money stress. No, wealthy people don't do as much shopping as you may think because they already have enough. So they don't need to buy another clothes. There are some flashy people who who do that, but real wealthy people don't because they're not interested in in those things anymore. They're more interested in art and other things. Investments, right? Good investments. Investment or other Mm -hmm. uh, beautiful things in in life. So if you are making both ends meet uh, barely, that means you have a problem of not making enough money 
and overspending um so you have to start looking at uh why you are in this situation and realistically you can cut down your expenses uh by 20 percent you think it's impossible but look at how much money you spend you have to itemize everything and uh, the next time you open up your wallet ask yourself if i don't buy this am i going to die tomorrow usually you don't need another pair of shoes another yeah. shirts another so, so needs and wants thing. getting clear on your needs and wants yes and uh, pe- people are not going to die but you do it yeah. anyway to feel good or feel stressed you know less stress but that will be translated into a bigger stress at the end of every month so you have to spend less and you have to be creative once again to be able to serve more if you give more you receive more that's the law of the universe so you have to come up with 10 ways to make more money. Maybe you need to change your jobs. Maybe you need to go back to high school. You may need to yeah. go take a corresponding courses, whatever that is. Get rid of the credit card debt until, yes. you, uh, um, until you do something. You know, you have to mm-hmm. really uh, keep promises with you. Otherwise, you keep um, drowning in the bills. And I know uh, once you're in, uh, in that swimming pool, it's it's hard to get out. And yeah. that's, unfortunately, that's a system you're in. So if you're upset, you have to get out of that pool. And then you have to dry yourself and just uh, get your life together. And to do that, you have to trust that future life will be much, much, much better than where you are now. And mm-hmm. I have seen so many people turn their lives around. And I've seen many single mothers who are struggling uh, change jobs and their self-image shut up and then they get a better job and then uh, they don't have to worry about it anymore in uh, just a matter of two or three years. So hang in there, uh, brave people. I really admire you for just doing everything very hard, but not right. So you have to you know, turn things around. And if you do that, it's going to take about a year or two, but definitely you can get out of that place. Yeah, that's beautiful advice, Ken. And I think it's also resisting spending money on things because, you know, we live in a consumer society where they're always encouraging us to buy this, buy that. If you buy this, you'll be happier. If you go to this place, you, you'll you experience a whole new life. So it's just, I think that temptation also in our society to just yeah. spend money, Yeah, we just have to curb that. Mm-hmm. Yes, especially in North America and Europe. Right. Uh, they spend so much money to try to trick you to buy. Yeah. Like uh, the, I always get amused even, you know, when I just see signs at the shopping center, I'm all in North America, you know, uh, get get three and and get one more free. <laughs> I don't need four more socks. All the psychology, you know? yes, behind it. <laughs> right, right. And the, and the greatest thing I, I saw at the... Um, um, dollar shops, um, you know, counter. It said, "Buy now and regret later." <laughs> I, I think <laughs> so good. <laughs> so you know that that kind of uh, I, 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 that is the most honest, you know, a copy tag I've ever seen. You know, buy now and regret later at home is what it said. So uh, if you want to, um, you know, fight against it. You have to really look inside. Do you want to become the victim of those, you know, uh, sketchy marketing people, or just you have your own power and achieve yeah. financial freedom? 
and you're okay just the way you are. You don't need to buy that extra handbag. You don't need to buy a new pair of shoes. You're fine. <laughs> right. And you can buy all those things after you're out of credit card debt. And after you achieve financial uh, independence, you can buy 100 more shoes. So um, that way, you know, um, you, you can wait a few months, a year or two years. Um, and then you will stop less about money. So if you don't want to be um, feeling stressed around money, you have to uh, spend less. And then you feel less stress around money. Mm. Yeah, just imagine how wonderful that would feel when you don't have to worry about money anymore. I think that's would be just a great that in itself is is um, inspiring and motivating. Right, right. And also, you have to make up your mind when do you want to achieve it. You know, a lot of people in the world achieve their financial independence in their late sixties or seventies. You know, but life is to be enjoyed. So um, you can achieve your financial independence in your 50s or 40s and 30s or even 20s if you play it right. So you have to really play smart in order to uh, enjoy life. So don't delay your financial independence. So don't delay your beautiful life. Because once you achieve financial independence or in the process of finding who you are, you will be more abundant with friends and clients who really appreciate you uh, for who you are and what you offer. And gradually, uh, you change the, the paradigm of, of worldview. Maybe the world is not as bad as you think. And then maybe there are more happy people, more abundant, more kind, generous people. Uh, you wonder, where did these people, you know, <laughs> live? You know, I haven't... I. I, I didn't meet any of those 20 years ago. That's when you find out. Well, that's such a wonderful note for us to end our conversation. Ken, thank you so much for sharing your inspirational message and your wisdom with all of us. We're super grateful. Thank you so much, Celine, and all the other viewers. Uh, please enjoy money. Please enjoy life because money and life is to be enjoyed, not to be the object of suffering. Absolutely. And for everyone listening, if you're interested in learning more about Ken and his book, Happy Money, The Japanese Art of Making Peace with Money, please visit his website, kenhonda.com. All right, Ken, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to share it with your friends and family. Take care and speak soon.